0: Uh, Malachi chapter 4 and Genesis chapter 22. The good news is Genesis is the first book of the Old Testament. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So if you can find Matthew, take a left-hand turn, you'll get to Malachi. If you can find the table of contents, take a right-hand turn and you'll find Genesis. So those are your two spots in the Bible. Uh, Genesis 22, Malachi chapter 4, and... Let me read first just one verse from Malachi 4 and then we'll read uh, quite a few more verses than that in Genesis 22. Malachi 4 verse 6, last verse of the entire Old Testament. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. You think it bothers God when dads and kids don't have the right relationship? Thus I come and strike the earth with a curse. Of course the earth already is under a curse. and But he's saying it could get a lot worse and it will near the end. Genesis 22 turn over there. Here we have a father and son scene that very unique in all the Bible, one you've probably heard a number of times. But let's read it together, Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Remember in uh, our chapter uh, 6 of John's study, uh, Jesus tested the disciples. Here God is testing Abraham. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Tested Abraham, tested the disciples. God tested Abraham and said, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. He didn't think that this was going to be the conversation when he said, here I am, what's going on today? Here's what's going on. Take your son, your only son, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder, southern man, and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son, "'Look, uh, the fire and the wood, and where is the lamb for the burnt offering?' Abraham said, "'My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering.' So the two of them went together. And they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son.' But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. That's great news. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn. Yes, by the way, a lot of people, when they see, a lot of scholars believe angel of the Lord is Jesus himself, when you see it in capitalized there. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not have withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you in multiplying. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. That's a lot of sand. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men they rose and went together to Beersheba. Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Let's pray. Father, we thank you you again for this time this morning. Lord, we want to be exhorted, encouraged, and strengthened by your word, by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would just remove every distraction that would be in this place. Lord, speak to every man, woman, child, those watching online, those that are here. Lord, I pray that you would sanctify this time, cleanse us. Lord, just may our minds be open to hear from you, may our hearts be soft. Once again, Lord, remove me from the equation that even myself, as I'm teaching, would be hearing directly from you. Lord, we all need to be changed and transformed in the image of Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I mentioned, I did not plan, even a week ago, on doing a Father's Day message. Uh, The plan was to continue in John chapter 6, but the Lord had other plans. Uh, I did not do a Mother's Day message at all this year, not because I don't love moms as much. I have a mom. I love her a lot. I have a wife. I have only women in the house, so I'm totally (laughs) cool with all of that. Um, Didn't do a Mother's or Father's Day message in the pandemic. I had prayed each time and felt led each time to just stay in our study. I thought that would be the same again. I assumed that uh, eventually I would share Mother's Day and Father's Day messages again at some point, not necessarily every year. I don't feel like I'm under the bondage of I've got to do every a holiday. Or, I don't feel that way. It's like as the Lord leads, some years I will, some years I won't. But I didn't think it was going to be this year, but it is, at least for Father's Day. Uh, I don't know if uh, maybe, uh, just I just can tell you that as around Tuesday, I just had a leading of the Spirit to put this message together. My other study was well on its way, and, and I even finished that one then started working on this one. But then uh, the the kind of the uh, the leading of it became a passage which turned into, and if you don't have a passage you don't have a message. Because we teach out the Word of God here. So I had to have, Lord is there a passage? And he gave me Genesis 22 and then it turned into a bird. Then another passage was Malachi chapter 4, just that one verse. And uh, we just read them both. But again uh, I um, I don't know exactly what it was, why the Lord impressed it. Maybe um, you know, our nation is very confused with Pride Month and everything else, and God's not confused. Amen. He's like, this is the Word of God that you need to know it and grow in it. And so we're going to look at this passage from the perspective of fathers. But as you know, in our annual calendars, Mother's Day does come first on the calendar. We all know that. That comes in May. Uh, Mother's Day was the first national holiday Started in 1914 under Woodrow Wilson. I don't think any of you were around for Woodrow Wilson 1914, uh, but Father's Day didn't become a national holiday. Father's Day didn't become a national holiday till 1972. Like Juneteenth just became a national holiday. Father's Day didn't become nationally until 1972, and I was born in '69, so I didn't know that it was actually I predated the national. So. Um, Neither are found or mandated in Scripture. You won't find a verse that says, Thou shalt honor Father's Day and Mother's Day. There's no verse, no passage like that. The Bible does say to honor your father and mother, and that is a pretty good thing. So we know that, that uh, God is all about us honoring fathers and mothers, certainly personally in our life. So the concept fits well with Scripture, right? Honoring father and mother. Uh, it's worth noting that Jesus observed Hanukkah, which we know is in December. Uh, but Hanukkah is not given in the, in, the, in the law, nor is it mandated in the Scriptures. It was birthed in what we call the silent years, which is right after Malachi we read, there's 400 years until Jesus appears on the scene. Uh, it was during those silent years that you had the Maccabean period. And Hanukkah was cel- a celebration of the rededication and the purification of the temple, which Jesus is all about the temple being pure. So that was something Jesus could be in agreement with. And he was in agreement with. it agrees with the Scriptures. And so uh, even though Hanukkah wasn't in the law, we see Jesus in John chapter 10 walk into the temple to observe Hanukkah even though it was more one that Israel uh, created. It wasn't given by God. But it was, but it was still blessed by God. Uh, so mothers, and, mother's Day and Father's Day, uh, I think, fall in kind of a similar camp because... They speak to two roles that are loved by God. Doesn't God love mothers? And God loves fathers. He, he created those roles. He did not create all the confusion that we see uh, today. So to focus on the roles is a good thing. Interestingly the first event to honor fathers as like a Father's Day event was at a church in West Virginia on July 5, 1908. At a church West Virginia, 1908, 5th of July. And it was to commemorate, this would have been a sad event too, 362 men that had died in a mining explosion the previous December. 300, not three people, 362. You imagine how many widows were because of that one event. So fathers were all of a sudden, wow, we miss a lot of fathers, 362 men. And then it was a daughter uh, of a widower, and she had five siblings. Uh, in the state of Washington that she came up with the idea of Father's Day because her dad had raised her and siblings with no mother. A widower had raised six kids. And she took the idea first to churches. By the way, Juneteenth also started in African American churches. So a lot of times churches, when they see things that relate to the Scriptures, they say, hey, this is, this is actually something that God would be in agreement with. So she took the idea to churches and the YMCA. This was back when the YMCA was actually Totally a Christian organization. Now it's got a verse here and there, but you know, ba- basically it's just a place to work out. But um, you know, it was really uh, you know, really a lot of Bible studies and things like that. And then later it became a state holiday in the state of Washington in the year 1910. Then it spread to other states and finally became a federal. So I know you came here for all that history, so there you go. But uh, the, history, the history and its worthiness of where it kind of meshes with uh, what we kind of look at as treasured in the Bible aside if you've been born again, it's Father's Day every day. It's always Father's Day for believers. Why? For all of us, we've been adopted by God the Father. It's it's always about our Father, always about our Heavenly Father. Jesus told us when we pray, it's what? Our Father who art in Heaven. He told us that that's the direction of your prayer. As it relates specifically to dads, F.F. Bruce had this to say. He said... God is the archetypal father. All other fatherhood is more or less imperfect, more or less an imperfect copy of his perfect fatherhood. And that's true. God is the only perfect father. All the rest of us are varying levels of imperfection. Uh, but the good news is the more time we spend with God the father, the more we'll mirror his character in our lives as fathers. But you've got to spend time with God to become associated with the way He thinks, acts, and operates. A 2019 Census Bureau study found that I didn't even know there was this many, but there's approximately 121 million biological fathers in the United States. 121 million. More than one quarter of them, about 30 million plus, have children under the age of 18. Of that group, one in five of those fathers are completely absent from their family's life. No contact whatsoever with their kids. One in five that have kids under the age of 18. Now that's not even including all the dads that don't have contact with their kids. There's dads that have all their kids are grown and they still have no contact. So I'm just focusing on just the ones that are in the trainable years, if you will, the 0 to 18. Um, But that's tragic, isn't it? Tragic. And that's just a, a, I could go for a long time on just statistics and things like this. We have so many single moms. It's rising. We have the highest percentage of single moms of any nation on earth. And it just continues to rise. And the individual pain and societal pain keeps expanding. But I want to tell you, though, if you're a single dad here, and some of you are, or if you're a single mom here, and some of you are, and no matter how you got there, God can help. God can heal and God can fill all the gaps when you're doing double job and triple job. He can. I have a special place in my heart for single mom. My mom was one for a while, and you guys know we've, we've invested in single moms here. I know this is about dads, but whether you're single mom or single dad, you, you have to wear all the hats, mom and dad hats. But God can fill those gaps. But understand uh, all the things that aside. I mean, even. 362 widows in West Virginia they become single moms and they have to be the, both the mom and the dad that happens but the thing that we have to understand as believers because we look to the word of god aside from death we're always to follow god's design plan for the family things will disrupt that but it should be death that disrupts it not us as a society saying let's just t- let's just choose all new models I saw a quote recently that said, one of the biggest mistakes of Western societies was the destructive belief that fathers are optional. Right. Right. They're not optional. And we're seeing, we, we go to the juvenile detention center and we see that about 80% of them are from single parent homes, fathers are not optional. But God doesn't want fathers just to be physically present, but to be spiritually present. Yes. Spiritually present. You can't be spiritually <laughs> present unless you're Spiritual men that are in personal communion with God the Father, true disciples of Jesus. I I, I pray that every one of you men and ladies would all be disciples of Jesus, passing on to the next generation the love, the truth, the guidance that was given to Abraham, that was given to Moses, that was given to Jacob, that was given to Isaac, that was given to the apostles, and all forefathers. Amen? Amen? If you're taking notes, you see the title this morning, when a father knows God the Father. When a father knows God the Father. And by the way, this, this title applies, you could f- remove father and put mother there. You could remove it and put Christian there. You could remove it there and put aunt, uncle. You could remove it there and put business owner. Anyone that knows the father will actually become more like the father. Mm-hmm. Anyone. It applies to everybody. You could change the title, but, but speaking to the fathers this morning... I want to pass along to you that which I know the Lord laid on my heart this week. Again, I did not plan on doing this study, and the Lord's like, "You're doing this study." So uh, here it is. So it's not an expositional look at all the messianic and doctrinal elements of Genesis chapter 22. I can teach Genesis 22 from a lot of different angles, and I love the depth. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of our understanding of the New Testament is is founded in that. And I'll touch on a little bit of that you, you can't escape some of those things that just are glaring in a good way. Uh, but uh, it's not really, we're not looking at all that. It's really a brief exhortation this morning to you as men and fathers on Abraham's humanity. He was a person just like us. God is perfect and beyond our, we can never understand His perfection. But Abraham was was just a human like us. And to follow his example, and to follow his footsteps. And I believe God gives us real people so we can actually look at real lives. And according to Abraham's faith, by grace, and it's always by grace, we sing that song Amazing Grace, it's always by grace, God later calls Abraham, amazingly God later will call Abraham, who's just a person like us, he calls him the father of faith to everyone of faith. Say, did you just make that up? No, it's in Romans 4.16, it's other places too. Uh, therefore it is of faith that it might be according, there's the word, according to grace, but starts with faith, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those of the law, Jewish, uh, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, Jew and Gentile, who is the father of us all. The father of us all. You know the kids sing in Sunday school, or they used to, it was an old time song, father Abraham had many sons and many sons had father Abraham, you know, and the kids would really get fired up. We need to bring that back. But anyway, old school's good sometimes. But, but God has memorialized Abraham as, and this is my definition of this, he's a peer level example for all of us as men. Peer level. I know he outranks us in his accomplishments, but if you cut him he bleeds the same way. He would sin like us. He would have problems like us. He would make mistakes like us. But all of that aside, he's a peer level example. But if if what God did in Abraham is possible for us, and it is, we can know that anything God did in Abraham, he will do in a sinful imperfect person like me or you if we follow him and walk in those same footsteps. He'll do the same thing. Not, not the exact same life, because everyone gets a different life, but the same work of God will flow in our life. And it's, the impact could be in our lives, renewed Isaac's in your family, renewed Jacob's in your family, renewed Joseph's in your family, Re- renewed marriages, families, tribes, nations, churches revitalized the fruit and increase is always up to God. Amen? The truth, the fruit is always, we can't decide how much fruit God puts on our tree. That's always up to God. But being fathers like Abraham, that's up to us. God gives you a choice. Do you you want to follow me or not? Just like we we make a decision with the point of salvation. Uh, Will we be dads that are disciples? Abraham was. And Abraham's model was really simple. You've heard it before. Trust and obey. That's his whole model. You'll see it here in the text. Trust and obey, there's no other way, and yet it's powerful and it's fruitful. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to take a look at, and I won't have time to go, and there's a lot of verses, I might, sometimes I'll refer back to a verse here too, but we read the whole passage, we're looking at it in its totality, I don't have time to do a verse-by-verse breakdown this morning, this exhortation, what we want to learn as men, as fathers, and really all of you, men, women, children, the characteristics of Abraham's following God, what he learned from God's nature and then we apply those same things in our life. So the first is a father that hears the father. You see in verse 1 now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said Abraham, and he said here I am. He has no idea what's coming next. You want me to go back to Egypt? You want me to go here? No, I've got a a brand new one I've never used on anyone and I will never use again on anyone. Here's the deal. Abraham was in communion with God. His prayer relationship was such that he spoke to God the Father and God the Father spoke to him. He wasn't perfect, Abraham wasn't perfect, uh, but there was no known sin festering in his life. Uh, I heard a pastor a long time ago talk about uh, walking in the Spirit. You guys read verse it tells us to walk in the Spirit, and that, that one of the ways you know you're walking in the Spirit is you are sensitive to known sin, and you confess it and keep making those things right. Does that make sense? Where you know you don't say, "I don't care. I'll just I'm going to sin this one for another month, and then I'll then I'll be done." No, that you couldn't possibly walk in the Spirit with that attitude. You would say, There's no known sin. I'm keep taking it to the Lord. You keep short lists with the Lord uh, on those things. So, no known sin festering his life. He also wasn't lukewarm. Just kind of like, eh, uh, some days I listen to God, some days I do my own thing. Just he wasn't lukewarm. He was daily walking with God. We're either in fellowship with God or we're not. Right. That's, right. The, that's the reality. We're either in fellowship or we're not in fellowship. Uh, there has to be daily confession. There has to be continual communion. There has to be daily time in the Word and in prayer to hear from the Lord. That's how God speaks to us. Um, there's not another option. It's how we know we're in relationship with God. Abraham grew so close, God spoke to him and he would know the voice of God. In James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, "...and the Scripture was fulfilled." which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Isn't that amazing? To be called God's friend? Jesus said to the disciples, I no longer call you servants, I now call you what? Friend. But one of the things about a friend, we can't be the friend of God and not want to hang out with God. You cannot be the friend of God and not want to be with God. If I tell someone, so tell me about your devotional life, well, you're my devotional life on Sunday morning, Pastor Tim. No, no, that is not a devotional life. You can hang out with me, but I'm not God. You can hang out with your brothers and sisters every Sunday, but they're not God either. You have to have a communion with God. So he called him the friend of God. By the way, friends love getting together, don't they? You want to get together with God. You You want to read God's word. You want to pray. You want to talk to Him. Fathers, does your spouse and kids, they see you in a close and growing relationship with God? Do they see that? They see you growing in your relationship with God. They'll most often follow our level of relationship. Not always the case. There's times where really godly on fire for the Lord, parents have kids that say, I don't want this, I'm out, and we pray that they come back. We have prodigals that we pray right now in this church that they would come home. That happens. And you also have, I've seen parents that are completely unsaved have kids that get saved as teenagers and they've never left the Lord. We know some personally. They've been an amazing blessing in our life. We We used to do youth ministry and we've seen that. But as a general rule, your temperature will be their temperature. But usually it gets cooler, whatever your temperature is. If it's cool, it's going to get even cooler. Um, two chapters later, we're in, we're in Genesis chapter 22 here. And Genesis chapter 24, two chapters later, Isaac is the right old age of 40. He doesn't get married to uh, Rebekah till he's 40. He stays pure, doesn't get married till he's 40. But we see there, when he's 40 years of age, He lets his father Abraham pick his bride servant goes uh, to Syria brings back Rebekah and we see Isaac there meditating in a field which is to be praying in a field. I believe Isaac wanted and desired the same relationship with God that he saw in his father Abraham. Abraham heard God say Abraham, here I am. Abraham was in communion with God. Isaac followed in the footsteps of his father and was willing to wait for his father to pick his bride at the age of 40. How many men would wait till 40 till dad picked their bride? <laughs> Isaac did. Because Isaac was so in communion with God, like his father, that those things were not derailments for him. Isaac desired that same relationship. One more thing um, it says that God is testing Abraham here. Fathers, God will test you. We talked about this last week with Jesus testing the disciples. If you're a follower of Christ, God will test you. It's not a matter of if, but when, and how often. Because God Grows us through the testing, but whether God is testing you right now or He's just talking to you right now, sometimes God's just talking to us through His Word. He's just encouraging us. He's not necessarily a testing. Sometimes it's a test, sometimes it's talking, sometimes it's both. But are you responding to either a test or He's talking to you? Here I am, which is to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Not what do I want to do? What do you want me to do? You cannot be a great leader unless you're a good follower. We're followers of God, then we can lead our families. Number two, a father that obeys the father. So we see in Abraham that he hears God, and that Isaac follows in that, and that's why we see him praying and meditating at the age of 40 there in the field. But we have a father that obeys the father. So he gets this unbelievable, not a request, it's not, hey, If you're open to it, take Isaac to a certain mountain. If you're open to it. This is a multiple choice. You can decide you don't really like that idea. It's a command. We have a command to take up our cross and follow Jesus, right? It's like, Lord, I, I thought about it. I'm offering you back this idea. So he gets this unimaginable request to go and take his son and to offer him as a burnt offering. Can you imagine getting this command? It's only been given one time in the history of humanity. Uh, The only time it'll ever happen as far as we can tell. The only other time that it did happen that it really went all the way through was God with his own son Jesus. Where it was not typology, it was the full manifestation of the wrath of God poured out on his own son. But for us, God's not going to tell us to go and lay our kids on some rock altar on Mount Moriah, he will tell us to pick up our cross. He will tell us, as fathers and mothers and all believers, to pick up our Bibles. He's going to say, "Pick up your Bible." Satan's never going to tell you to pick up your Bible. He's going to say, "Don't pick up your Bible." That's what Satan will tell you. Don't worry about it. Watch another show. You know, whatever it is, to do something different. He will tell us to lay aside our weights our hindrances. We see that in Hebrews chapter 12. By the way, Hebrews chapter 12 when it says to lay aside your sins and weights, you and I have to do that. We're given the command, the action. We have to lay them aside. We have to figure out with the help of the Holy Spirit, our Lord, what are the hindering weights right now? And God will show us. Did you know He'll show you the weights? Yeah. And you'll realize that, oh, why am I wasting? This is, this is just a burden that I, it's holding me back and growing with the Lord, and you lay those things aside. The little idols, we have to lay them aside. If God says to you and I, let's say He gives the fathers a command like this uh, go take the family to an awesome dinner, go take the family on an awesome vacation. We're really good at that. We can hit the easy button on that one, we'll just charge it. You know, whatever, you know. What, Things like that are not hard commands. We we relish that kind of stuff. We're looking forward. I'm looking forward to the cheeseburger I'll be eating later today. I, I already thought about it. Even before I taught, I thought about it. It's not that important. But those are things, those aren't hard for me to do. It's not hard, that's not a hard task. Eat this and enjoy it. But if he says to us as fathers or believers, change your priorities. Be a disciple. Pour into your spouse. Pour into your family. Get with other brothers that are believers and build them up. That's not the easy button. That usually takes hard work and discipline. It's difficult laying aside ourselves. But it's so worth it when you have an Isaac by the age of 40 is following God the same way as you are. Where do you want your kids to be at the age of 40? When Isaac got there, He was still mirroring his dad's walk with the Lord. We're not simply as fathers to provide material needs. Um, We're not just to give those things that um, include groceries, utilities, oil changes, all that kind of stuff. Those are important, but we're not just to provide those things. We're to be fed by the Lord that we can feed and disciple those entrusted to us. Isaac was the only son Abraham had. That was his one stewardship. That was his one disciple. And he poured everything into Isaac, but he had spiritual food to give Isaac. We'll come back to that uh, near the end that the fact that it's not a material thing, this is a spiritual thing. Fathers, uh, let's, let's not, and speaking to those of you online as well, let's not wait for mom to care for the spiritual needs. Those of you that are in marriage relationships, if you're the single parent, You have it all and God will help you. He'll give you that double portion that you need. But let's not wait for mom to care for all the spiritual needs. We should care. When it comes a Sunday morning, did you know, dads, you can set the alarm and get the kids up? You can do this. You do it for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You can do it on Sunday. Uh, We need to take the active role and none of this I love what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's wife didn't say it, although she might have been in full agreement with it. Joshua said it. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. In 1 Timothy 5.8 it says, If anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ouch! Ouch! Paul warning Timothy. Timothy was a pastor. So Paul's telling Timothy, you must preach this. So that's why I'm preaching. And my name's Timothy, so there you go. So um, <laughs> I must preach it. So, But we see uh, we see some other parallels in Scripture here. The, the, the verse in Malachi, it said, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, lest he sends a curse. That God is displeased when fathers neglect the responsibility of, they're not just to be providers, but they're also to be the pre- priest and the prophet and the pastor in their home they're supposed to provide. The spiritual as well. Your ne- next door neighbor that doesn't know Jesus probably provides electricity for their family too. Probably also helps get the kids to school. Probably cares about their education. Probably cares about that they have food and awesome cereal to eat probably cares about all of that stuff. But do they care about the spiritual need? Well, they don't, but neither do I. What makes you any different? Right? No. That's why he's saying we have to provide the spiritual as well. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, um, fathers, don't provoke your children to, children to wrath. The final wrath is you provoke them to the point that they said, I don't really need God And they would spend eternity in hell. That would be the final wrath. But what God is saying in that passage and I didn't put that one on the screen but I'm just saying what God is saying is I want you to provoke them. What Abraham provoked Isaac to was the same footstep as his father. Not wrath but the blessing of God. Remember it says in the passage here look all the way, we're going ahead because I'm not looking at this verse by verse, we're looking at it and it's In its total context, verse 16. Blessing, I will bless you. Abraham provoked Isaac to blessing, but fathers that either through hypocrisy, well, dad goes to church on Sunday, but you should hear his mouth on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? We've all heard this. Literally, we've heard this. And we've heard other people talk about this. But anyway, uh, what God is saying is you you can provoke your kids through hypocrisy, Apathy, abuse, neglect, absenteeism, you name it. All kinds of different things. Just kind of expectations that are, that are not God's expectations, your expectations on people, all those kind of things. And so the Lord is saying all that can provoke them to not only angry at you, but then eventually they get angry at God and they don't want your God. Right. And so we have to be careful say, Lord, and by the way, we all God is merciful. It doesn't matter what you did for the... God said, today, I absolve it all if you just surrender your hearts right now today. Isn't that great about God? Yeah. He did not going to hope, well, you know, uh, you were really didn't do it for 15 years, so you got 15 years of misery after this too, and then we can talk again. But that's the way God operates. He's merciful. Um, yes, but there are completely, uh, there are completely absent dads... But God, again, he turns our hearts, as it says in Malachi 4, the hearts of the fathers. Abraham had no doubt been shepherding the heart of Isaac to always obey God. Always obey God. Now Isaac and him would maybe talk, maybe he's 12, and he's coming up, and, and he's like, uh, what about this situation? You still obey God. What about this situation? You still obey God. Well, what about this situation? With all my friends, you still obey God. But if, what, if, what if it means we die? This situation does mean death, right? Put him on the altar, right. we still obey God. And eventually Isaac was so believing that he was willing to wait for his dad to pick his wife at the age of 40 and said, I obey God. I, my father says we're going, that's where we're going. Where's the sacrifice? I don't know. Abraham obeyed God, whatever God said, not what depending on what God said. Whatever God said, not depending on what God said. A lot of Christians, I believe the Bible depending on the verse. Isaac, who many scholars believe, he was somewhere between 6 and 37. That's a wide range. We're basing this based on when his mother dies uh, But many scholars, and I'm of this mindset. I know he says lad, but you know when you're as old as Abraham, everyone's a lad. So I mean, he didn't even have the kid until literally. I mean, those of you that are older, uh, I'm 52, and I have people sometimes that you're just a kid. I don't understand when they say that, but I have 80-some-year-old people literally tell me this year you're just a kid. So I kind of understand it. I am of the belief of some scholars. I could be wrong. But many scholars when they look at this and you look at the fact that he was somewhere between 6 and 37 believe that Isaac was 33 at this time. Who else went to Mount Moriah at 33? Jesus. Who else's father put him there? So when we understand the typology it makes a lot of sense that Isaac because only 7 years later, sevens a big number too, 7 years later he becomes 40, then he gets married, Isaac finds his bride we understand. Jesus went. So I don't have time to get into all that. You got, I told we touch on those things, but that's not the essence of all this. We're looking at Abraham's humanity. Is that exciting stuff though? That, that, that God wove all that in there. So if Isaac is in fact 33, which he is, I, I, I can't say that for certain. But he had the same obedient heart of his father. Right, right. If he is an adult, even if he's a teen, even if he's 17, this isn't like tricking some five-year-old to get on the altar. This is an adult conversation. Why are we doing this? Um, I have wood. I don't see a lamb. Why is there a lot of rope around me? You know, that kind of thing. Next point. A father that trusts the father. A father that trusts the father. We talk often, at least I say it here, because ever since uh, one of my... Mentors in the faith, Sam Nadler, mentioned to me, I say it often, consistency equals maturity. Whatever you're consistent at is what you're mature at. Consistency equals maturity. Consistency Consistency equals maturity. You find me a consistent person in prayer, I find you a consistent person in many other walks of their Christian life. But a faith that is consistently exercised eventually becomes an overcoming faith in the face of fears, which we all have, in the face of doubts, which we all have, in the face of uncertainty, which we all have, it trust in whose faithfulness? God's faithfulness, because you and I aren't that faithful. (laughs) Not a single one of you online or here were not that faithful, but God helps us become faithful. You remember early in Abraham's life, he lied twice about his, well, she was his half-sister, but he wasn't acting like he was his half-sister. He was basically, no, she's all my sister, to get him out of two jams. That wasn't the mighty faith that Abraham would later have. That was like, Abraham, I could pull that one off, right? You know, here's my sister. Pharaoh, leave me alone, right? He was afraid, so he kind of fudged things a little bit. And it was a sin, and so... uh, But his faith grew, and how does our faith grow out... uh, How do we grow beyond things that right now... We just continue to be stuck in the same rut. How do we grow beyond that? Abiding in the Lord. Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus. I talked about this in the first service. You have branches on trees. I have some in my backyard. I have too many trees in the backyard when it comes fall. Raking is a nightmare. But anyway, but other than that, the the cool thing about branches on trees is over time they get thicker and stronger. We hung a swing on one of them. You can't hang it on there until it can hold the weight. But the branch keeps getting thicker. This is what happens when you abide in the Lord. Your faith gets stronger over time to the point you can hang a swing on it. You can hang a bunch of swings on it. Eventually you can hang people on the swing on it. But the thing about branches is they stay abiding. You won't have any branches jump out of your tree and go hang out somewhere else in Florida for three times out of the year quarters of the year and then come back and jump back into the tree. They stay abiding. And so Abraham just stayed there and while Lot went to Sodom and became like the world, Abraham stayed there and became more and more able to lead Isaac. Does this make sense? Yes, yes. This is what Abraham did. And that's where God is calling us as men to grow just like a tree does. As the Bible makes this, you know, these, these agricultural analogies a lot that we would be planted and rooted and grow. But it's that daily hearing from God and that blessing of obeying God. It is a blessing that becomes a firm faith and a firm trust. And we see it here in Abraham. Why? Because Abraham now he he's walked with God so long, he knows the promises of God. He knows that Isaac has to produce a nation. So if he dies, that doesn't work. Right. He knows the nature of God. He knows that God is only good, only righteous, only holy. Only faithful. He doesn't doubt, he doesn't think, well, you know, you know, there's people that you meet that are bitter towards God and they have all these complaints about God. They don't know God. Right, right. Right. I don't care what they say. They do not. If you're whining about God, you do not know Him the way He is. You have a made-up caricature of God that you've made up or you've listened to the world, but that's not the God that we serve. Amen. It's not the Father that we have. Abraham knew God's nature. He was not trusting his feelings. His feelings would say, there is no way you and I are going to that mountain to be sacrificed to you. I waited a long time for you. Sarah waited a long time for you. We are not doing this. No way. Lot's, lots messed up enough. He can go and sacrifice one of his kids. <laughs> but he doesn't say that. Now faith becomes action. Action responding to what God says to do. James 2.21, was not Abraham our father justified? By works, there is again this name op, naming Abraham as our father of the faith. Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. Another New Testament passage, too. It's not that we're justified by works, it's because we have faith that we outwork. The works, the outworking of our faith comes in works. That are obedient to God, brothers and sisters. Don't you desire to have that kind of unwavering faith yes. to say, "I don't care yes. if this is what He said to do; yes. I'm going to do it." But what if it? What if I lose my job over it? Does God know this? Does He understand how this whole thing works? Yes. Can He figure out the next part of the problem? Of course He can. Hebrews 11:17 through 19. Look at the faith of Abraham. New Testament. Writer gets an insight that we didn't even fully understand, although we kind of see it because he says, me and the lad are going to go yonder and worship, it, and we will come back." That's a key. If we come back, well, maybe he's thinking he's carrying Isaac in a coffin or something. I don't know. He's supposed to burn him on the offers. So how that? How's that going to work? We see the faith, and then Hebrews tells us by faith, when he was uh, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said and Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead which he received him up in a figurative sense. Uh Abraham's like all right, here's the deal. When I was a younger man my faith wasn't as strong, but here's what I know. He gave me Isaac I was about 100, Sarah was about 90 he's supposed to bring forth the nations, if this is going to if God's going to really have me sacrifice him, he's going to raise him straight back up. And we're coming back down the mountain together. And that's what he felt. And it, it doesn't say that he like, kind of wondered about it. He was convinced that he'd be raised from the dead. I don't know what your problems are right now, but God is telling look, I can fix it. Well, it's dead. I can resurrect it. God is the same. We draw near, and our faith will become actions of steps saying, I don't know how this works, Lord, but I believe you. Okay. Just two more and we'll come to a close here. A father that honors his father. He says, we're going to go up and worship in verse 5. And he saw this whole test as the Lord calling him and Isaac to go and worship God. Again, Isaac's not a child. He's at least a teen. I think he's 33. You can debate me. That's fine. That's fine. But he's probably probably not a kid, no no matter what. He's at least a young man. And the two of them are going to worship God together. Here's the thing. God is always worthy of our worship. And he's telling his son, let's together honor the Lord with our worship and obedience. And Isaac was all with it. He was like, yeah, if that's what God wants us to do, then that's what we'll do. Because he's been following in his father's faith uh, our, our lives a living worship to the Lord. Dads, are our lives really a living worship or is it just some kind of religious stuff? There's a lot of religious people. Some religious people are mean as a snake. Yeah, right. And they're religious. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean that they have the love of God in them. doesn't mean that they have the joy of God in them. It doesn't mean that they have the worship of God in their lives. It just means they're religious. Uh-huh. There's religions that are, that are built on oppressing and suppressing. I mean you think about, we, I mentioned Juneteenth, you had people that were deacons that, that mistreated slaves. They weren't saved at all. Right, right, right. The slaves, many of them are in heaven and the slave owners are in hell today. The tables are all turned like Lazarus and the rich man. The whole thing gets flipped upside down because God looks at the heart. But So religious stuff. Abraham wasn't about religious stuff. Lot actually was a Christian, but Lot got a little just religious form and the whole family fell apart. Abraham stayed the course and he had the worship (laughs) of God springing from his life and as the worship of God dads, is it springing from our life? Is it inward and outward? If it's not inward it won't be outward. But it can be outward and not inward. Just That's just fake stuff. But I'm talking about is it inward and outward? Our thoughts, our words, we have the song of the Lord on our lips when we worship in song. Are you able to sing out because you're in harmony with God? You're in communion. We simply cannot fake genuine. If if, if Abraham's faith was fake, Isaac couldn't follow it. Wouldn't follow it. You no way he's getting on the altar for, for a fraud. But uh, it's another reason though that that Isaac trusted his father because Abraham had joy. Real worshipers have joy. We don't see Abraham complain anywhere in this situation like, I can't believe God asked me to do this. This is the worst. He doesn't say anything. There's no complaint. He just simply does it, and he does it with a heart to worship. We're going to go and worship. Following God, worshiping God is a joy, not a Debbie Downer, not a dread. At the end of the test, we see Abraham, uh, after the Lord provides the, the ram, it says, that Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Abraham honors and exalts the Lord with what he names the mountain. He names it, the Lord will provide. He doesn't name it, and Abraham did an awesome work. Did you notice that? He doesn't name it, and Abraham had great faith. No, he doesn't say, and Isaac and me passed the test. Names it, the Lord will provide. Isn't that awesome? When God does anything good, don't take credit. Psalm eighteen forty-six: The Lord lives. Blessed be the Rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Not the person of the salvation, the God of the salvation be exalted. Amen. Amen. Last and final point. And then you fathers can have your awesome Father's Day lunch and whatever else you got planned. Abraham had already received so much from God when this test came. By the time this test came, he's he's a much older man, outlived all of us, a bunch of us combined even. Um, He knew Sarah was from God. Men, if you have a, fathers, if you have a spouse, are you thankful that God's given you your spouse? He knew Sarah was from God. He knew Isaac was from God. Every one of your kids are a blessing. Even the ones that right now are not blessing you back, they're still a blessing from God. He knew the promises were from God. You know, if we didn't have the promises, why even come today? If we didn't know we have heaven, if we didn't know we have the Holy Spirit, if we didn't know the Word of God is true, then you might as well sleep in, watch TV, go do something else. But you say, no, we're going to go worship because we have these promises. He knew the promises of God. He knew they were from God. He he knew even his faith, the seed of his faith was from God. Any faith you and I have it's only because God's allowed us to have faith. Isn't that great? I mean, it's all from God. That's why he says the Lord will provide, the, Lord, the mountain of the Lord's provision. So when God provides the ram, it's just another in the long line of Abraham saying, God provide, God provide, God provide. He provides the ram. It's another time where Abraham, who's an earthly father, receives a gift that he doesn't deserve, that he couldn't create if he wanted to from his heavenly father. Can you testify of what God has provided in your life? I can look back. I've been saved 26 years now. Me and my wife got saved on the same day. We can look at all the ways God's provided over the years. And sometimes when I'm having a bad moment, I forget it all. You ever do that? You forget every bit of it. And all of a sudden, you're all out of sorts. (laughs) And God's like, hey, I haven't moved. I've done this. I've done that. You're still saved, aren't you? That alone. Can you say that he's taken uh, Abraham, again, we, we talked about how he was in his younger years. He had faith, but it was, rock, it was rockier. Now he, that branch is way thicker. You can put ten tree swings on his faith now. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that. You could hardly hang one. Has he taken you beyond yourself? You can say, now, I've actually taken steps that I know were we're metaphorically walking on water. Mm -hmm. Has He taken you beyond yourself? Is He taking you beyond yourself? Just like you couldn't create your salvation, you can't take yourself beyond yourself. That's what God can only do. Supernaturally providing. Is He supernaturally providing for you, and this is for the men and women, not just the fathers. strength today, peace today, provision for today. For Abraham, it didn't end with this sacrifice, the sacrifice of the ram. He didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. The angel stops him, but he didn't, it didn't end with the sacrifice because God had provided for Abraham in the past and the present, and he's already looking to the future. Even if Abraham wasn't looking to the future, God was looking to the future. Look what it says. Look back in the text with me, very last few verses here. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this, you have not withheld your son, your only son. Verse 16, uh, blessing, I will bless you and multiply now, multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. God's like, my vision's way bigger than yours. Yeah. I'm going to do far beyond Isaac. Isaac will become thousands of Isaacs. In fact, millions of Isaacs. You and I are part of those Isaacs. We're we're of the faith of Abraham. Later God would tell another one of his servants, Joshua, who was Moses' right-hand man, but then he would become God's uh, number one man, Joshua 24, 6. Then I took your father Abraham. Even Joshua is like, your father's Abraham. I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him to the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac... Who's the operative word here? God. I did this, I moved him, I brought him through the river, did this, multiplied him and gave him Isaac. And by the way, Abraham had nothing to do with it. I did it all. God's the one that brought you here today. You actually, the fact that you're sitting here, God brought you here. God brought you across the river, if you came across a river, and anywhere else you did here, God's the one that's brought us here, literally and spiritually. I'm going to close with this. Isaac, Isaac was discipled by the faith of his father, not the perfection of his father. By the faith of his father, not the perfection of his father. But his love and his obedience to God and his dependence on God, Isaac watched it, saw it, it was authentic, and he followed it. And Isaac becomes a man that gives us Jacob, whose name becomes Israel, who gives us Joseph, And we see the millions that have come to the Lord since then. But let let me just say this in closing. He followed his father's love, obedience, and dependence on God. Here's the great news. Did you know none of those require money? Did you know none of those require certain skills? Did you know none of those require a certain level of education? Some of you here might have a doctorate, some of you here might have a GED. God could not care less. Love, obedience, dependence on God, trust in God cost you nothing, no skills, no abilities, no social status, you don't speak five languages, doesn't matter. God says if you can do these, I can do anything through you. Amen. Amen. That's what God wants to do with fathers. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you again that you are our Heavenly Father. But we do thank you that you've given us earthly fathers that are flawed like us, that we can look and see, Lord, this is possible because if we just abide in you and just exercise those mustard seeds of faith, Lord, we'll grow in your grace. We'll take those steps. And Lord, I just ask this morning, Lord, as you speak to hearts, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Heavenly Father, Lord, I would not want them to leave or, or if they're watching online, not want them to take another minute without you being their father, adopted through the salvation that comes through Jesus. And as your heads are about, I just want to ask, and I know this is a Father's Day message, but, but Jesus made it in numerous times as you might have heard and, and the cross made it in. And if there's anyone here and say you know, I, I've never been adopted by God. And that comes through trusting in his son who he did not get up off the altar. He stayed It was not the altar, it was the cross. But he stayed on the cross and was nailed and died and raised three days later. But if anyone here said, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never the first time trusted in God for salvation, had my sins cleansed. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. If there's anyone here at all, I don't want to assume that everyone here knows Jesus is their Lord and Savior. If anyone at all that wants to give their life to Christ, anyone watching online, if God's spoken to you and Maybe you're a dad watching online and you you just feel miserable about uh, sins in your life or things. God could cleanse any of that. And he's a God of new beginnings. Repair it all. Restore it all. Revive it all. Just pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying for my sins. Please cleanse me and forgive me and wash me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit, for I've decided this day to follow you. Lord, write my name in the land's book of life, and help me, Lord, to grow in your grace as your son or your daughter, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that, just send us a note at questions at calvarychapelrva.com. We'd love to hear from you. Dads. I was not here, and like I said, I, at the beginning of the week, I did not plan on this message. I was in John 6, to, determined to. I, I'm loving where we're going with John 6 next week, but the Lord said, or just put on my heart, this is what I want you to do. I hope this has been encouragement to you, an exhortation to you. I, I'm not here to beat dads up, I'm here to build dads up. Build dads up, you know, it's not beat dads up. So, uh, But just to, God wants you to know that following Abraham is the only path that will lead to all the blessing and multiplication that we see here. There's not another option. Lot tried the other way, it did not go well at all. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close and worship.